Please open your Bible with me to Psalm 91, the book of Psalms 91, and as you are finding your place in God's Word, I want to say how thankful I am for the opportunity, the privilege to be here with you this evening. I want to say thank you to the musicians and to Dave and the praise team for leading us in worship so wonderfully this evening as we have lifted up the name of our Lord as we've had the privilege to join our hearts together and sing praise to the only one who is worthy of receiving our praise. And I'm grateful for all that goes on behind uh, bringing to us leadership and worship, aren't you? As someone who cannot sing, and the Lord was gracious enough to reveal that to me at an early age. True story, elementary school, I thought it'd be cool to be in chorus because you got out of some other class stuff. Chorus teacher sent me very quickly back to the regular classroom. After I auditioned. It's good when the Lord lets you know what your gifts aren't sometimes. So that you can appreciate those who are gifted in such ways. And I'm grateful for those who are gifted in music and in singing for the way that they lead the rest of us to be able to worship our Lord because He is worthy. And He does gift for that reason, to receive back that praise. That's why He gifts in such a way. And so I know you're grateful for that, because it doesn't just happen on Sunday evening. There's a lot of work, a lot of preparation, a lot of prayer that goes into worshiping our Lord and leading us in that way, and I'm grateful. I am thankful for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Dr. Shorter called me and asked me if I would come and share from the Word uh, with you, and there was no hesitation on my part, because I think it's a privilege to share about my Lord Jesus Christ and to share from His Word anytime I have an opportunity. But it's a special privilege to be with the Mount Airy family because I've had that opportunity before and it's always a blessing to be here. So I didn't hesitate at all in coming uh, to be with you this evening and to share with you from Psalm 91. Uh, The pastor shared with me that he has been leading you through a series called Replenish on Sunday evenings, uh, bringing you messages from the book of Psalms, and so I coordinated with him and asked him if Psalm 91 would be okay, and uh, he said, yes, it would, absolutely. So that's where we want to look this evening, and I know it hasn't been long since we fellowshiped, and I really want us to stay friends, but I want to ask you to stand, please, because we're going to read from God's Word, and it's worthy of giving our full attention to. And so let's read from Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge." Then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. 
For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Him. I will protect Him, for He acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. With long life will I satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Join me as we pray, please. Father, thank You so much for the gift of Your Word to us. Lord, we thank You that this is Your eternal Word. That, Lord, it will last forever. And therefore, we can depend upon it forever. We can look to it forever to find all of the blessings that You intend for us from it. Lord, we thank You that it is, because it is Your Word, it is perfect. It is infallible in every way. And Lord, because of that, we know that we can have great confidence. We can have great trust in Your Word. And so, Lord, we pray this evening that Your Spirit would deliver Your Word into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, in ways that bring to us blessings, that bring challenge, that bring conviction, that, Lord, change us into the image of Your Son, because, Father, we know that that is Your will for us, each one of us, individually, is that we will be conformed to the image of Your Son. So, Lord, take Your Word this evening and do that work in us that only You can do. And let us leave this place rejoicing because not only have we fellowshiped with brothers and sisters, not only have we praised You through song, and not only, Lord, have we worshipped You through giving, but, Lord, because we have encountered You and You have spoken to us personally through Your Word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. What we have for us this evening from the Psalms is somewhat of a testimony psalm. You know, there are some that are prayers. There are some that are proclamations. There are some that are what we call imprecatory prayers that we have to be really careful with. Those that are calling down curses upon enemies and those kinds of things. And so as we work through Psalms, we find diversity within the book. And in this one, we find something that's very powerful in our lives. And that is a testimony psalm. It's about who God is. It's about what God has done for this particular writer that was moved by the Spirit. And it's about what God will do in our lives. And you know, testimonies can be very, very powerful. I know that you have been blessed as I have to hear someone's testimony as to what the Lord has done in his or her life. We find some commonality in that. We find encouragement in that. We find challenge in that. And especially when we find a testimony coming to us from God's Word. This morning I worshipped with Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Uh, I, the Lord has allowed me the opportunity this Tuesday evening to uh, be a participant in their revival services this week. And this morning, to kick off the revival services, uh, Pastor Turner invited Dr. Jack Hester to come and to preach the morning message. I'm sure some of you probably know Dr. Hester. If not, you wish you did, because he's a wonderful man. 
And if he were here, he'd tell you the same thing. But he's a great man of God, and I wanted to go just to be challenged from him, from what God had to say, and to be a part of what God's doing there. And so when I got there, I went up to get a hug from Dr. Hester, and I was going to go back and sit down, and he said, now I want you to sit down here in the front so I can spit on you when I'm yelling at everybody. So I obediently sat down behind him, and then he leaned around during the fellowship time and said, "Uh, listen, I want you to help me get up onto the platform. He said, I'm not as sure-footed as I once was, and I want to make sure that things get started right, so would you help me? I said, sure I will. So when it came time for him to go up onto the platform after his wife surely sang, we were holding hands as we were walking up, and he said, uh, Oh yeah, I meant to mention to you, I want you to give a word of testimony right as I begin my sermon. And I said, Okie dokie, we can do that. So he uh, made me sit down up there on the little pew with him, and Miss Shirley sang, and then he stood up and was looking at Pastor Turner said, We're going to do things a little different. I didn't tell you about it. And I was looking at Paul saying, he didn't tell me either. So he asked me to get up and to share a testimony. And this is why. Because he's celebrating 65 years of preaching the Word. And the Lord has used him in a lot of ways and in a lot of lives through those years. And I'm one of the ones that he's used him to influence. You see, in 1994, I was not in obedience to the Lord. I wasn't serving Him as I knew that He had called me to. You see, I knew when I was 10 years old that the Lord had called me to preach His Word. And I thought it was a great idea when I was 10. Then I got 16. And I realized that I had better ideas for my life than not only my parents, but the Lord also. Anybody ever been 16? By then, we've all got it figured out. And so I began to run. Oh, I tried to stay close. I tried to compromise. Lord, I'll be a good church member. Lord, I'll serve. I'll teach a class. I'll do these things. Just, you have to have made a mistake about this whole preaching thing. And so I kept running and kept leading my family in the wrong direction. And then the Lord in His grace and in His mercy began to really press hard on me. And so I found myself in April of 1994, somewhat unwillingly, any of you men might can identify with this, but our little home church was having revival services that week, and my wife said we were going. And so there we were, and I was sitting on the back pew because there wasn't one behind it so I was on the back one as far away as I could get and there was this guy I'd heard of but I'd never met before named Dr. Jack Hester and he got up that that evening and he opened the Bible and he made everybody turn in their Bible to the book of Jonah and he commits to preach a message from the beginning to the end of the book of Jonah And about five minutes into that message, there was nobody left in that worship center but Jack Hester and Dale McCoy and the Holy Spirit, as far as I could tell. It was just us three. 
And the Lord said to me very clearly in my heart, I love you. You're my son. But I'm tired of you disobeying me. I'm tired of you running. Are you going to keep running like Jonah? Or are you going to surrender and do what I created you to do? And you see, I did. I did. I came down that evening and I talked to Brother Jack and we prayed together. And not long after that, I went down in front of my church family and said, I don't know exactly what is going on here, but I know that I can't run anymore. I know that I'm tired of not obeying the Lord. And you see, he wanted me to tell that because there's some commonality in that. Not everybody has the same calling from the Lord. Not everybody has the same creation purpose in God's plan. But every one of us has to come to a point in our lives when we not only hear what He has called us and created us to do, but we surrender to that. We surrender to Him. You see, calling... And leading from the Lord isn't just when we're a certain age. I was not the age at that time to give up a career and go to school and lead my family into such a transition. But God had a plan, and He is always faithful. So you see, from a testimony that we each have... We can encourage, we can challenge, we can strengthen others to obey the Lord. And we can also comfort others in the Lord through testimony. And that's what we find here in Psalm 91. We find a challenge here from this psalmist through the testimony that was anointed by the Spirit and has been preserved by the Spirit for you and I thousands of years later to look into the truth, the eternal truth of God's Word in all of its perfection and say, now God, what are you saying through this man's experience that I need to deal with you about this evening? As I looked into this psalm, it struck me that in... The second verse, the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. And being the old guy that I am, that made me think of that hymn that we have called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now Martin Luther wrote that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and he extracted from Psalm 46 to write that hymn. To write about a mighty fortress is our God. So I recognize that, but just for a little illustration, let's think about that hymn in relation to Psalm 91, in which the psalmist, and if you look in multiple translations, you'll find that same word used, fortress. Luther, as you may or may not know, was a Catholic priest. He was a Catholic priest that came to the point where he was tired of the lack of Bible being given to the people and the, ba- the lack of Bible being utilized by the church. It had come to be, in his opinion, that it was all about tradition and it was all about what man said rather than what God's Word said and therefore what God said. So he became a pretty rebellious priest. 
In fact, he became a revolutionary. We call him the father of the Reformation. And he wrote this hymn after he had gone through a very, very difficult time in his life in which he was declared to be through a trial by the Holy Roman Emperor, an outlaw. He was declared to be someone that everybody better stay away from. And in fact, his life was in danger until he was kidnapped by some friends of his so he could be hidden. And out of all of those experiences, and out of his love for God's Word, he wrote that hymn, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. That is our adversary, the devil. Luther realized that it was a spiritual warfare that he was in. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. But, but, Luther said, a mighty fortress is our God. You see, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we encounter, and if we live long enough, we're going to go through some difficulties. We may not be declared an outlaw. We may not have that sentence passed upon us, but we're going to go through struggles in relationships. We're going to go through struggles in health. We're going to go through struggles in finances. We're going to have difficult times if we live long enough because this world is fallen. And so we have the privilege given to us from God's Word to join with the writer of Psalm 91 and to join with Martin Luther and many others that we have a spiritual heritage with and to say personally that our testimony, my testimony, your testimony individually is that a mighty fortress is my God. Now let's see how that works out here in Psalm 91. First of all, we need to acknowledge the place. First of all, there is acknowledgement of the place. You see, this fortress that is God is a place of safety. It's a place of security. It's a place of stability. It's a place of strength. It's a place where we find satisfaction. It is a place where we find salvation. And it is needed for every person who has ever drawn a breath on this planet, and it is available to every person who has ever drawn a breath on this planet, and it is permanent. The fortress that our God is, is a permanent place. Look with me in verse 1. The psalmist says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. He who dwells in the shelter, remember, it's a permanent shelter, it's a shelter of safety, it's a shelter of security, it's a strong shelter that we are allowed to be a part of, and we're allowed to dwell in. Not only that, it's the shelter of the Most High, and we find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. As He shelters us with His strength, as He calls us to Himself and we find that refuge, it's a place of great strength, of great security, of great stability. 
Isn't that something that you need these days? I tell you what, things are changing so rapidly in our lives that there has to be some stability for us, and there is. (laughs) You see, everything that we're going to read about in the news this coming week, the things that are going to happen this coming week that we don't know about, God already knows about. He's not going to say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. He's never said that, and He never will. You see, there's one thing we know for sure, and that is life is always throwing changes at us, isn't it? My wife and I were talking the other day. My grandmother is 90 years old. 90. Now, I think that's pretty impressive. She had the nerve to say to me one day, Dale, I just don't think I'm a very strong person. I said, Mama, weaklings don't get to 90. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I just don't see that happening. you You got to have some toughness. And and Marianne and I were talking. We'd been over to her house and we were talking. I said, you know, we have been discouraged or we have been thrown off a little bit by the things that have happened recently in our nation. You know, some things that just you just didn't think you'd ever see. So can you imagine what it's like to be mama? To be 90 years old. I mean, this lady lived through the Great Depression. She had a, a baby girl sitting back there. And right after that baby girl came along, her husband was sent to Europe for over two years. They didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have email. Two years after she became a mother for the first time, her husband was sent across the pond to secure freedom. They've seen, she's seen all of that stuff happen. The great war be won. The 60s and whatever happened then, and all y'all that were adults then, y'all messed it up. That's where we started going. Amen. As a country. All I just I can't imagine. And 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 my kids, you know, they kind of get tickled at her when she looks at a cell phone funny, and I'm thinking, she didn't even have a telephone when she was growing up, much less one in her pocket. Folks, there's one thing for sure. The world and life is going to change. Your life's going to change. My life changes in ways that we don't expect sometimes. But it never, ever takes God by surprise. It never catches Him off guard. And what we have promised to us from God's eternal and unchanging Word is a place of permanent, strong stability that we can say that's my mighty fortress we can run into that fortress you see he says that he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in whom i trust He's my refuge. Folks, I want to urge you, I want to encourage you, I want to beg you this evening to make sure that God is your refuge. Now here's the reason. 
Because no matter how strong we think we are, no matter how together we think we have it, we're going to need a refuge. And not only that, our enemy that Luther talks about in that hymn, who seeks to work us woe, he will set up all kinds of false refuges for us to lead us into traps and snares. He will say, oh, come over here to this. It seems like it'll be a refuge. You'll find some rest from your worries. But actually what it is, is another step away from the true refuge of God and that fortress that is He. You see, there's all kinds of false refuges in this world that the enemy has set up. And there is only one true refuge, and that is our mighty God. You see, we have to make sure that we grasp the truth of God's Word, that He is the place. He is the fortress. I guess maybe it's just a boy thing. I know when I was a little boy, me and my best friend, we loved to go out in the woods and build forts. We, we had, don't tell my mama this, in case she's not listening right now, but we used to have BB gun fights. I mean, it's a miracle of God. I still got two eyes. Because my mom used to be just like Ralphie's mom in a Christmas story. You'll shoot your eye out, you know. But, but we'd build these forts, and then you know what? They'd be torn down within a day or two. They didn't last long. But listen, this fortress that is our God is indestructible. It's permanent. It's eternal. Because it is He Himself who is our fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. And we have to come to the point where we make an acknowledgement of that place. Secondly, let's make sure we listen to and agree with God's Word as to the attributes of the person who is our fortress. You see, the, the psalmist uses four designations for God. He says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That's a translation of the Hebrew Elyon. The Most High. It means possession. It means that God is the owner of everything. That He is the overwhelming One Himself. He is the Most High. There is none greater than Him. If you will remember reading in Scripture, our enemy, our adversary, when pride overtook Him and He began sin, He said, I will elevate Myself to the position of the Most High. See, folks, we have to make sure that we acknowledge in our lives that God, our fortress, is the Most High. You know why? Because there's a danger that every one of us has to think that we're the Most High. <laughs> we inherently want to be number one. We inherited that from our first parents who were tempted into it by the enemy who first said, I'm going to arise and elevate myself above Him. You see, this God is the owner of everything. He is the overwhelming One. He is the Most High. The psalmist also says that He is the God Almighty at the end of verse 1. That's a translation of the word El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. It means provision. Not only is He the owner of everything, but He is the provider of everything. He is the One who is enough. 
One of the ways that God is our fortress is we recognize that there's none higher than Him, that He owns everything, including the troubles that we're going through. God owns those troubles. Nothing is outside of His sovereign power. And not only that, He's the provider of everything. Jesus really meant it when He said, Your Father takes care of these little birds every day, and He loves you much more than them. He will always take care of you. You see, He provides the blessings for us because His very name means provision. Then the psalmist calls Him Lord, which we know is a translation of the word Yahweh. Jehovah, the great I Am, which means promise. You remember what He told Moses there at the burning bush? You go tell My people, when they ask you who sent you, that the great I Am did. Yahweh, Jehovah, The Lord Himself, not who was, but who is and forever will be. The great I Am. You see, this is the One who has promised to us out of His immutable, eternal character and strength that He will forever be our shelter. He will be our fortress. He is our mighty fortress. And then lastly, we find that He uses the word God which is a translation of Elohim. This is the most common name in the Old Testament. It's used more than 2,700 times. And it refers to His creative power most frequently. Because He has created everything, we know that He is therefore in control of everything and therefore trustworthy with every detail of our lives. So you see, we have to acknowledge that there is a place of shelter. There is a fortress that is our God. We have to understand, we have to come to recognize straight from God's Word the attributes of that person. And then lastly, we have to make appropriation of the promises. We have to appropriate it personally. You see, it's not good enough... And this is our problem in in church life a lot of times. This has been my problem in my personal walk with the Lord a lot of times. You see, we, we can come to the point where we say, well, I hear that. I'm reading it. There it is on the page. I see it. And I believe it. But what's it doing in our lives? You see, we, we as Southern Baptists, we, we're strong on saying this is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And that's the truth, and I'm glad we are. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. But what we have to do is say, this is the inerrant, infallible Word of God that is the authority in my life for it to personally impact. Now, whether we disobey it or not, it's not going to change the Word. And it's not going to change God. But if we obey what He gives to us graciously from from His Word, it will change our lives. When we recognize that truth of Him as the fortress in our lives. It's like I saw an old preacher do one time. You know what? Whenever I come to the Word of God... I need to make sure that I take it and do this right here. That it's going to be over my head, which has my little brain in it. 
It's going to be over my heart. It's going to be over my hands. It's going to be over my feet, my eyes, my ears, my mouth. This Word is the authority for my whole life. And if I do that, recognizing that God has promised to be my fortress, then I am beginning to make appropriation of the promises that we find here in God's Word. Real quickly, I know the time is going, but real quickly, look at how we appropriate these promises based on this beautiful, wonderful testimony that God has given to us. Look in verse 2. Notice as we read this together. What does the psalmist say? I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. That's personal. That's what I tell folks all the time. I was praying with a guy. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be teaching a class right now in a, in a school, and, and a biblical class, and, and a fellow asked me to, to pray for him. He was going to share his testimony. He hasn't done anything like that before. I said, listen, there's no pressure in sharing your testimony. You just tell folks about Jesus. Because there's one thing people can't argue with you about, and that is what Jesus has done in your life. There's no argument there. What He's done in your life personally cannot be disputed. Because He does it personally and effectually in your life so that then you will glorify Him through sharing it. That's what the psalmist is doing here in verse 2. He's saying, listen, this is who God is. This is a place of shelter. This is the mighty fortress who is our God. And this is who He is, who is that shelter. This is that person, the attributes of who He is. But I have personally appropriated the promises He's given, and you need to do that. You see, that's what he says here. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. And my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Every bit of that is a testimony that this psalmist believed that there was a shelter, there was a fortress who is God, and all those attributes of God are true, that He is the most powerful, He is the eternal, that He's the provider. He said, listen, here's my testimony. It's there, it's who He is, and I have taken hold of it personally. I am trusting Him. So then we drop down to verse 9, and notice what it says there. (laughs) It's wonderful. He says, I, in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Then look at verse 9. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. You see, He's saying, listen, I have appropriated these promises. Now you need to appropriate these promises. Because you need a fortress, you need a shelter, you need a relationship with the God Most High. And so I've done it. That's my testimony in verse 2. And now he's saying that big two-letter word that is always huge in the Scriptures, if, if you make the Most High your dwelling. You see, it comes down to choice and decision on my part, individually, personally. That's why I can't give someone else his testimony. I can't get saved for someone else. I can't serve the Lord for someone else. It comes down to, just like I told you about that night at Hunts Memorial, 21 and a half years ago, just me and the Holy Spirit doing business. Personally. 
The psalmist says, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then he gives out those promises. Then here's what will happen. And then look in verse 14. The Lord then speaks through the psalmist. I love these promises that we are allowed to appropriate. Look, he says, here's who I am, verse 2. This is who God is. Here's who I am in relationship to Him. And if you will make Him your fortress, if you will make Him your shelter, then He will give you these promises. But then look, the Lord speaks back through His man, and He says, Because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Him. I will protect Him, for He acknowledges my name. You know what that means to acknowledge His name? That means to agree with His character. God, I acknowledge that You are all-powerful. That all these things revealed in Your name in the Word are true. I acknowledge that. God says, if you acknowledge my name and my character, then look at these wonderful promises. He will call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. Listen, I don't want to split it down too much, but please make, make sure you note what He says there. Verse 15, He will call upon me and I will answer Him. Why? Because first, we've loved Him in response to His love for us. We love because He first loves us. He offers to be our great fortress because He loves us. But His his expectation is, His demand is, that we love Him in return. He doesn't want us to be religious robots. He wants us to be in love with Him because He first loved us. He wants that to be our motivation. The love that we have returning to Him. But notice what He says there. Because He loves me, He will call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him and make sure He never has any trouble. Is that what it says? I will give Him a trouble-free life. I'm writing a book for, you know, like these TV preachers write, you know, everything everybody wants to hear and then sell it. It's just that it's not what this says. The promise is I will be with Him in trouble. God never lies to us. He will never tell us you'll never have trouble. Just pray this prayer. Just send this gift. Just buy this and you'll never have any trouble. You'll be healthy and wealthy. Jesus never said that. He said, hey, y'all come follow me. I'm headed to a cross. (laughs) I'm going to die. Y'all come on and follow me. He never misled anyone. But the promise is, He will be with us in trouble. Isn't that a good promise? He will be with us in trouble. because Because we know that there's a place, there's a fortress, there's a shelter that is our God. We acknowledge His character and His name because it tells us all about who He is. And we personally, individually, surrendering His Word, appropriate those promises. The Lord lays it out there. He says, now, I love you. I promise you all this, but you've got to take hold of it. Nobody can do it for you. You've got to take hold of it. If we appropriate those promises, when the trouble comes, 
He will be with us. He will ultimately deliver us. He will honor us. And with long life, He will satisfy us and show Him, show us His salvation. With long life, like eternal life, in His presence forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You so much for the wonderful privilege of being with Your folks at Mount Airy, Lord. And I just thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I just pray that, God, I would be truly obedient to Your Word. That I would be personally taking hold of the promises that You've made. And I pray the same for all of my brothers and sisters in this room. That, Lord, we would each be led by Your Holy Spirit working through Your Word to take hold of the promises You've given us. And to know that You are our mighty fortress. And to know that even in difficulty, even in storms, even in struggles, there is joy for Your children. Because we know who is in those troubles with us and will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank You for first loving us and allowing us to love You in return. For we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.